name is Josh. I'm a pastor at this church, but no one liked me, so they sent me over to Hertford Street Baptist Church over at Upper Mount Gravatt. I'm actually there as part of a partnership agreement between the two churches. And Hertford Street also sends their greetings this morning to you all. It's been a really exciting time over there. And just to give you a little quick fire update, after some sunny bankers went over uh, in February, the congregation went up from 25 to about 40, sometimes 50 people. Uh, we've had newcomers come and stay. Uh, four of them with a very similar story from different parts of the world, from Brazil, India, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Uh, they all found our church searching on Google. We had 11 new members join uh, in June. Uh, we've had one Japanese international student who's so close, so close to coming to Christ, so please pray for him. Uh, there's another girl and a lady wanting to be baptized, and there's been great unity forming between the different ages and cultures within the church. Uh, Angela and I are settling well in there, uh, so please keep um, partnering us with us in prayer, and know that we at Hertford Street, we're also praying for the gospel to work here in this church and in this community. But this morning, I'm here, and I've got the privilege of opening God's word. So how about let's pray and ask for God to work in us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's great to gather as your saved, forgiven, and redeemed people. It's great to come here and have the freedom and the privilege to open your word. So, Lord, now as we do that, we ask that you would speak mightily and powerfully in us, that your spirit would be at work, uh, shaping and molding us to be more like Christ and more like his church, the church that you want us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was at Kids Club here. I did my devotions in the morning and I hung around for lunch, but I was accused, I was falsely accused of being at Kids Club just for the food. <laughs> now, while there's absolutely no truth in that case, I think we all sometimes seem to operate in this way. We go to an event, a gathering, but we go not because of the focus of the event, but for the benefits, the other things that happen. For example, we go to work conferences, but it's not about hearing the guy speak or to find out more about the company. It's about the free lunch or the networking that happens there. At uni, there's an orientation week twice a year, and people go, they sign up to clubs and associations. I remember in first year, I signed up for the Hong Kong Student Association, and I'm not even from Hong Kong. <laughs> but it's not really about the group. It's all about the freebies, the free food, the free drinks if you're Asian, the free milk teas, the free pens, and the merchandise. And you know, we seem to find the same thing happening at churches. We gather, we come together, like here this morning, but do we know why we gather? Do we get excited by the main thing, or are we here for something else? Why? Do we gather as God's people? Because just like the examples before, we can easily focus on the benefits, the other things, things that are good, but not really the main thing. You see, we can 
focus on the people. I'm here to see my friends, the group that I've been catching up with for many years. And that's how we talk about church. Church was great today because I got to see my friends. Or church was bad today because I didn't get to see any of them. We can focus on the music, and that's how we talk about church. It was great today because the music was good, or it was bad today because I just hated the songs that they chose. We can focus on the ritual. I just got to get here at 8.30 because that's what we do. In fact, we can look at a heap of different things and say this is why we gather. I mean, we're all guaranteed to walk away this morning, go to morning tea or the coffee shop, saying something like, I like church because, or I didn't like church because, or we're just here at church because you fill in the blanks, because the comment is fine, but it often shows where our focus lies. You see, it's so easy to gather, to come here to church and have a slightly off focus, to forget even the reason why we gather and why God calls us to come together. And that's why we need to keep asking this question, why do we gather as God's people? Why do we meet up? Why do we drag ourselves out of bed and come to this thing called church? So I believe we're in a series here. It's uh, focusing on the church, back to basics. The last few weeks, I've uh, been looking at the topic of membership and what it means to be committed and involved and part of the church, the local church. But this week, we're uh, having a different scene. We're starting to look at the topic of worship. And it's a loaded word, isn't it? We use the word in so many different ways. It can be broad or specific, worship being all of life and all that we say and do, giving worth to what we see as our first priority. And it can be specific. It can mean music, worship and song. It can also mean the whole service, the Sunday worship. So we have to be aware of how we're using this word too. It also has a personal and a corporate element how I come to God, as we see in many of the Psalms, but also how we all come to God, how God's people come together and engage with God together. And as we think about the church and back to basics, this series and worship, this is really what we're talking about today and in this series, the worship gathering, God's people coming together, the whole service. And this morning, I want to look at the question of why we gather as God's people. And this is a super important question to ask. It's so important to get this right as we meet this morning and every time we do come together because we do heaps, heaps of different things on Sunday morning. And many of these things are great things to do, great things to enjoy. But I'd like to suggest that the Bible is pretty clear that as we gather as God's people, God's word is central. Hearing from God is the focus. You see, we see it from the first gathering of God's people. Uh, many would say that's Exodus 19, 20 before the mount. The Israelites gathered and they did this to hear from God. 
We see it through the Old Testament, and we see it in our passage this morning. We see it in the time of Jesus at Hertford Street. We just started a series looking at the Gospel of Mark, and the Jews, they gathered at the synagogues, and they did this to hear from God, to open the Scriptures. That was the focus. And in the early church, as we look at uh, the New Testament letters, they read out and they learned scriptures. They even read out the letters that we have in our New Testament today. You see, God's people always gathered with the purpose to hear God's word. And if God's people aren't doing this, there's really no church. You take chicken away and there's no KFC. You take caffeine away for all you coffee lovers and there's no coffee. And if you take the hearing and receiving of God's word away, even if there's other great things happening, it's not really God's church. So in a corporate worship gathering like today, and whenever God's people meet to worship together, God's people, they gather under God's word. And you might go, yeah, duh, really, of course, we come to church and we do expect there to be Bible. But if we look around, if we look around in the church scene today, even here maybe sometimes, is that really how we see church? Gathering under God's word. Or is it like we said before about the songs, the real worship, as some say? Or is it about catching up with friends? Or is it about the ritual, just got to come here to tick my name off the list, because that's what I always do. When we measure our pulpit teaching, other aspects of the service, is scripture important? Or is it about something else like the show, feeling fuzzy, sounding good, looking slick? And we push the Bible to the side when we do this. Maybe we do read God's word as we gather, but do we only focus when it makes me feel good? Maybe we read it ritually and it doesn't really do anything. Or we focus on how much knowledge I'm getting and we forget to apply God's word, to be challenged by it, to ignore the Spirit's work, the Spirit's real work in changing us to be more like Jesus. You see, there's so many reasons why we can gather. But as God's people, it's all about gathering under God's word. And it's not because we worship the Bible, but it's so that we get to know the God who speaks and making known God's saving message clearly, the gospel message, his rule, his love, and the hope that we have in Christ. And it's only found in God's word. And this idea of gathering uh, as God's people, it's what we see here in Nehemiah 8. You see, this was a key moment in the Old Testament. If you remember the Israelites, they were in the promised land, but they continued to sin and ignore God. So they were defeated, they were captured, they were sent into exile. And Nehemiah here, he records the return of the people to Jerusalem. And they're rebuilding the city foundation, the city walls in chapters 1 to 7. And here in chapter 8, now they come to rebuilding their spiritual foundations, coming together as God's people. And here we see God's people gathered under God's word. So let's have a look at this gathering and see what it means for us 
as we gather today. So Nehemiah 8 verse 1, if you want to follow. And all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. We've all experienced significant celebrations. Uh, we've got one coming up here in, for our 60th anniversary. And we usually celebrate by putting up the balloons, getting the cake out. And if it's a church event, we always have a special morning tea. But as we see the significant event unfold in Nehemiah, you see the walls being rebuilt and the people, they gather and hold this special church service. And imagine this, instead of getting the cake ready, the morning tea organized and getting the balloons and decorations up, the first thing the people do, they tell Ezra to get the Bible so he can teach them. Imagine that. Imagine if we had only one Bible in the church. And every Sunday as the pastor walks in, all of you go and mob Daryl, Charlie, David. Brendan will probably be a bit late. We mob our pastors. And instead of whinging to them or whatever, we say, get the Bible and teach us please. And we see that Ezra here, he's a good bloke, he's a good pastor. He gets the Bible and he reads. He teaches so that God's word is declared. Verse 2. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. It's God's word declared, the first, the central, the primary part of the gathering. But that's not all. If you've been on a plane, you'll know the flight safety pep talk. It's really important, but everyone just tunes out. Heard it before, doesn't bother me. And sometimes that's how we treat God's word as we gather at church. I guess we have to do it, so just get it done. The shorter the better, and let's move on. But in Nehemiah, it's much more than that. It's more than just a ritual reading. Look at the end of verse 3. Ezra read, in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand, and all the people listened attentively to the book of the laws. See here, the focus is God's word being understood. It's being read, it's being listened to and understood. It's nothing fancy. No show, no fireworks needed, no young hip preacher in skinny jeans, thank God. It's God's word being understood, being delivered and received. You see, God's word is central. It's the focus. They even elevated this um, pulpit in this makeshift stage in verse 4 to elevate the preacher and really to elevate the word of God. And look at how the people respond in this passage. Verse 3, they listened attentively. Verse 5, they stood in reverence when the word of God was opened. 
Verse 6, they exclaimed verbally, they lifted their hands and bowed to the ground. And it's not during the songs, it's during the sermon, the Bible reading. Verse 7, they get offered help to understand what's being taught. And finally, in verse 8, they understood the Word of God. God's Word understood. The second thing that we see here. And the third thing we see is that God's Word affects us. You see, it's not just head knowledge stuff we take in and it just stays up here. You see, it affects our whole being. One of my groomsmen from uh, the wedding, he's a really crazy sports fan. Uh, In reality, he's a really soft, introverted guy. But when it comes to sports, he's a completely different beast. We've been to many sports games and we've watched a lot on TV. And this soft, quiet Asian guy, he'll scream He'll yell, he'll chant songs, he'll pay out the ref, he'll go nuts when there's a goal or try or amazing shot, he'll even cry, he'll cheer, he'll high-five and hug randoms, I've seen it, he'll even clap at the TV, and he did this during the third Origin game a couple weeks ago, just clapping at the TV. You see, sports affects his whole being. Not just his mind, but his emotions, his reactions, his affections. And when God's word is correctly understood, it should affect us likewise. It pierces our hearts. It shows us our sin, our need for God, and how much God loves us in Christ. And we see God's word here affecting the people in Nehemiah. Verse 9. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. You see, as Ezra read out the first five books of the Bible, sometimes called the Torah or the book of the law, the people's hearts were broken They saw their sinfulness, their rebellion and their rejection in generations past and their own rejection of God. And as a result, they wept and mourned. You see, they understood God's word and it sank in, it hit home. God's word affected and moved them. And Nehemiah, he keeps going in verse 10. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. It might sound a bit strange here, but he's basically saying, it's not time to grieve. It's not all that they've heard. Just like we've seen all throughout Scripture, God's a God of compassion, grace, and mercy. And that's what happens when we open the Word of God in a corporate worship gathering like today. It's not just words, it's God's words. And through these words, we actually get to meet the God of the Word. We actually get to see and relate with Father, Son, and Spirit, His unfailing love, His plan of salvation, 
and we only know these things through the Word of God. And that's supposed to affect us to our core. You see, we don't just go, yeah, we read Corinthians last week. It's more like, man, we read Corinthians last week. Wow, God brings this bunch of misfits together. Remember, he saves them despite how sinful and silly and stupid they are. He even brings them together as members of his body, the church, just like you know how he saves us and he brings us together. Wow, what a God is that? You see, God's word is central. Understanding it moves us to being affected by it, touching our hearts, directing our emotions. And note, look at verse 12. The people, they were all rejoicing and it's not because they had too much wine or because they all got great steaks. It wasn't because of the fantastic service, the great singing, the awesome experience, the super morning tea, but it was in response to the word of God. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. We see again the word of God is central. It's declared, understood, and it affects our whole being. And as we come to the last part of this passage, recently I joined a gym at Kessels Road, trying to get to know some of the locals around the area. Uh, but part of this deal is that you get a free personal training session. And the reason why it's free is because most, if not all of them, say exactly the same thing. And you've probably heard it too. They say, your life is a mess, your diet's a mess, your exercise is a mess, and you really need me. In fact, you need one or two classes a week for the rest of the year, and it ends up being a couple grand. And while hearing this didn't really win me over, there's a little bit of truth in what he said to me. He said, it doesn't matter if you know that you need to get fit. It doesn't matter if you know what exercises to do and how to eat because none of it matters until you do it, until you actually apply it into your life. And it's kind of the same with God's word. It doesn't matter what you know in the end. It doesn't matter what we know as a church. It means nothing until we do something about it, until you actually apply it into your life. And the last part of Nehemiah 8, we see God's word applied, the fruit of God's people gathering together are people changed by God through his word and God's word being put in practice in our lives, living for Jesus as we would say today. You see the people back in Nehemiah, they were so astonished by God's word that in verse 13, the leaders and the fathers, they wanted more. So they came together for this little life group meeting uh, as we see in verse 13. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. As John pointed out, it was the seventh month, October. We see this at the end of chapter 7. And through their study, they came across Leviticus 23, 
it outlines the Feast of the Tabernacles that's to be celebrated on the seventh month. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written." So the leaders and the fathers, they read this, and what do they do? Every pastor's and leader's dream. They obey. They apply it completely. Verse 15, they all went home and they told others what it means. And the beauty of all this here is that they actually applied God's word. Not one person, not two people, but the whole assembly. And it's recorded in verse 17. The whole company that had returned from the exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. You see, this feast hadn't been celebrated properly for almost a thousand years. Remember Joshua, he entered the promised land, and they kept the feast back then, and there was a celebration But over time, they just didn't follow it. God's word and command just wasn't being applied. And now the people, they return to the promised land. And here we see God's word again is central. It's declared, understood. It affects them. And now it's applied. They follow it. They change their lives. And they obey and live for God. So we've seen this old Testament gathering. And when we think about God's people gathering today, yeah, it's a little bit different. We don't have just Genesis to Deuteronomy. We have the fullness of God's word. We have the full story that Jesus has come, dying and rising again, taking our sins away. But in a sense, it's still the same. God's people gathering under God's word coming together to hear God, to know God, to encounter and experience God, and to be convicted again and again by the gospel, by the person and work of Jesus, the message in God's word that saves us. So we've seen these four points in this Nehemiah gathering, and if we believe that God's people do gather under God's word, we ought to see these four things here this morning, in fact, in every service, God's word declared, understood, allowing it to affect us and applying the gospel into our lives. And all of us, all of us are part of this, from the leaders being directly involved, leaders championing God's word, making the gospel clear, ensuring that it's declared, understood, affecting, and being applied in the preaching and in all elements of the service. And those of us, all of us who are committed to this church, we're to encourage and we ought to want God's word taught. We ought to say something when it's not and to let God by his spirit transform us day by day, week by week as we gather through his word. And also for all of us, there's one big question this morning. 
How do we come to church today? Is the main reason to encounter God through his word? You know, God's word should be so central as we gather as a church, that as we prepare for church, as we wake up and get ready, our focus should be, I'm coming and I want to be challenged by God through his word. I want to grapple with the truths of Nehemiah 8 or whatever passage we're focusing on. And we all should be rejoicing every Sunday saying, God's word was declared. I understood God's word. And that's great. I see how Colossians points me to Jesus and how central the word is in Nehemiah. It affects me and it changes me. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to align my life with God. I'm going to put my hope in him to put aside my sin and to grow in Christ. Do you come to church expecting to encounter God through his word? Reading, explaining, being affected by, and applying scripture. Letting the spirit work in you, convicting you of your need for Christ, and putting yourself out there, a dangerous thing, putting yourself out there to let God change, mold, prune, and grow you through his word, making you more like Jesus. So what happens, let me ask, when God's people gather but don't focus on his word, when God's word isn't first and other things are more important? Well, we've all heard the stories, haven't we? Of peoples and churches teaching going astray, from biblical to liberal, morality, experiential. The church becomes more open to false teaching, wolves among sheep. We've all heard about the worship wars, the flashy service. It's all about style, re relevance, performance, making people feel good instead of God's word and truth. Well, this is what happens, I think. The church just becomes a living tomb, alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. We can see there's fellowship, friends. We can be even so busy in serving and leading in ministries, like Charlie mentioned a few weeks ago, but we don't get to encounter the God of the word. Maybe we get something else. We get the God of health and wealth, the God of prosperity, the God of production and performance and good feelings, the God of our culture and society. Just read the news. Many don't even get to know God at all. They don't get to hear the grace found in Jesus alone. And you know, in many cases, people leave. Pews become empty. Some churches, they die. And they get taken over by hipster cafes and they even get converted into mosques and other religious places. They're sad realities, but we can see both of these. You can see them in Brisbane, in our neighborhood. You see, we cease to be a church when God's word isn't the focus. But on the flip side, what happens when God's word is central? When we do gather under God's word? Well, it's such a contrasting picture. We see it here in Nehemiah, and that's what I would say we want here too. 
we see a real spiritual buzz in the service. Nothing fake, but a real God-honoring, people-changing spiritual buzz. People understanding God's word. People actually coming to God, knowing him, encountering Jesus, feeling the weight of sin, and rejoicing in the grace and mercy that only Jesus gives. And people changing their lives, that's what we see when God's word is applied. People living for Jesus, growing in Jesus, setting their hopes in God. Isn't that what we want to see when we gather as God's people? In your life, in the lives of those around you, for all of us in this place. So why do we gather here this morning? Why did you come here today? Why did we bother to gather here as a church? Well, let's make sure that when we gather, as we gather, we gather to encounter God through his word, to hear his voice. Now, every time we meet, encountering God and his redeeming and saving work in Christ. And we do this as God does his work, his saving and growing work here, by his word, through his spirit. So let's pray to this end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the Lord of creation. You spoke words and the universe came into being. You spoke through your prophets and ultimately through your son Jesus. And you've given us your word, scripture. And through your word, you reveal yourself to us. Your grace, your mercy, our sin and our need for a saviour. You reveal yourself, your solution in Christ Jesus and our response with the power of your spirit to be more like him. Lord, as we meet like this today and as we continue to meet in the future, help us to keep your word as central. Help us to gather under your word to hear your voice, to proclaim your saving word, to protect and teach your word so that people may know you, so that people may know your love for them in Christ Jesus, that they may come to you, that we may grow more like your son, Jesus. Lord, work by your spirit in our gatherings, that they may be more and more about hearing you, your words that point us to Jesus. Lord, that's why we're here. So do your work in us. Help us to align with your will and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.